Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Welcome to the show. I am so glad you tuned in today. I'm Monique. You know, it seems like leaders right now are all looking for ways to reduce stress in the workplace, be more focused, even deal with conflict better, and help their team to do that. So it did not surprise me at all when I had a lot of requests for our topic today. I've had clients asking for it, and I've had listeners actually write in to me also asking for it. And by the way, you can do that if you are interested in a particular topic that's related to leadership in the workplace, you can email me and I will look for a guest who can come on the show and help educate us about that. And you can do that at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. Today we'll be talking about meditation and mindfulness in the workplace and how to lead well by keeping your head where your feet are. Here with us today is mindfulness and meditation expert, Nita Sweeney. Nita is an award-winning author. Her recent book, Make Every Move a Meditation, was featured in the Wall Street Journal. She's a retired attorney, mindfulness coach and teacher, a marathon runner, and has founded multiple well-being groups. Nita, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Monique. I'm always looking for opportunities to talk about mindfulness, and this this is fabulous. Thank you again. Well, I'm really excited to have you talk about this topic. And last week at the end of my show, I announced that you would be here today talking about this. And since then, I've had listeners and clients voice their excitement about it. So I know they're all listening in. So tell us from your perspective, why should busy leaders bother with mindfulness? Because it works. Just bottom line, it works. It improves all of the things that makes a leader powerful and strong and effective. It is good for focus, you know, concentration, clarity, creativity, um, calmness, you know, so it reduces anxiety. It just is a general well-being tool. And that's part of why I have kind of doubled down on that in terms of my coaching and my writing, it's because it just really is effective. And there's a lot of science behind it. It's just not just, you know, little Nita Sweeney saying, oh, this is nice. There is tons of research. Lots of different studies have shown that even small doses, tiny amounts of bringing your head where your body is can make a difference in, um, in the workplace, really in your whole life, but uh, especially in the workplace. So what do you mean about bringing your head where your body is? So there's a when you hear the term meditation, there are a lot of misconceptions. Well, I shouldn't say that. There are a lot of types of meditation. And the type of meditation that I'm going to talk about today and that I teach and write about is mindfulness. So often our thoughts are in the future or the past. So we're thinking about things that we need to do tomorrow or later today, or we are remembering events that happened yesterday or years ago. Nothing wrong with any of that. With mindfulness, we learn how to train the mind 
to bring those thoughts right into the present moment in real time. And we do that by asking people to bring their minds where their body is. So it could be focusing on the breath. It could be focusing on a particular body sensation. It could be simply noticing that a thought has arisen. Oh, I'm anxious about this, or, oh, I need to put this on my to-do list, something like that, just noticing. There's just that combination of focus and awareness in the present moment, in the now, that, um, that that's where the power is. So it's interesting that you said that mindfulness is a form of meditation. Yes. And a lot of people feel that meditation, when you say meditation, it's sitting quietly in a quiet room with your eyes closed and by yourself. But you're saying that mindful, so is my is meditation kind of an umbrella term? Yes. And then mindfulness is under that. Yes, meditation has many definitions. I mean, um, in the Christian tradition, it's more contemplative. So when you do your meditations, it might be thinking about a particular passage of a um, you know, text that is important to you. And that is not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is an actual physical practice. And yes, you can do it sitting still, alone, in a room, in silence. Yes, if you go to a retreat, that's what you're going to learn. And that's usually where we start because the silence helps with the calm and concentration. Um, and keeping the body still helps to relax the mind. It helps to still the mind. But it's not necessary. The same skill set can be applied all day long and it can be um, used there, my uh, the, the one of the guys that I study with named Shinzen Young, he talks about mindful micro hits where in one instant you remember, oh, I'm in this room, I'm talking to Monique, I'm looking at her, I'm noticing her, you know, lovely um, outfit, I'm right here. And that would be visual meditation, I'm noticing what I'm seeing. Um, it might be my feet are flat on the floor, or it might be I'm walking through this doorway, I feel the handle. But we're not, we're not just thinking about it, we're actually experiencing hand on handle, um, noticing color blue coming in. And that focus helps to build the calm and the clarity and creativity too, which I can, I can talk more about that later. But it, it is a very specific type of meditation practice. Not the only one, not the only effective one, but one that has been proven to be very, very helpful. So it's about presence. Yes. Yes. Okay. Being in the moment. That's the keep your head where your feet are kind of, you know, it's kind of a okay. joke. But that's really it. That is really <laughs> all there is. It's just, is my head where my body is? So being very grounded in the present moment. How did you get started meditating? That is my favorite question. The answer is, there was this guy. So I was, I was dating <laughs> a guy. I, there's always a guy. <laughs> I was dating a man. I was a partner in a, a law firm, and he had been transferred here, and um, and we were introduced and started dating. And um, one day, when I don't know, we were at my house, he said, "Do you want to sit?" And I said, "Do you want to what?" 
because <laughs> I had no idea what he was talking about. And what he meant was, do you want to meditate? So he set the microwave timer for five minutes and said something like, well, just, just try not to fidget. Just sit there for five minutes. You know, if you can notice that you're breathing, great. Try not to fidget. Well, five minutes seemed like an eternity. And, of course, I fidgeted and I kept um, – he's he suggested closing the eyes, which is optional. And um, I kept sneaking peeks at the microwave timer. <laughs> but I really liked him. And um, at first it seemed weird and kind of a waste of time. You know, I was this really productive attorney and blah, blah, blah. And um, But over time I realized that there were benefits to it. And then some other things happened, which I've written about. And I, I really realized um, – um, my my real entrance to it was with pain relief because I had some physical pain and it turned out to be a really good tool in kind of the kit of how to deal with that. But yeah, there was this guy. That's the short answer. <laughs> <laughs> so he introduced you to it. And at the time you were an attorney, did you right. grasp onto that concept right away and it, it just took off? No, it took a little while because it was very foreign to me. Um, I'd heard about it, but he had been practicing Zen and m mindfulness meditation, which are, there's a lot of overlap with all the meditation types. And so, you know, I didn't really know, but I really liked him and I uh, liked his friends and started going to some of the, you know, the short sits, like half an hour or something like that. And eventually we went to a meditation retreat, um, Friday night to Sunday noon, something like that. And that's where it really, really stuck with me within the slow walking and the silence and the just completely being present where there was nothing else but my thoughts, my body sensations, the surroundings, you know, the uh, setting we were in. And it, it really started to click then. And then also, as I said, I had um, some issues with my back where it would go out. That's what I always said. It My back went out. And he also had some, um, I'm going to really date myself, cassette tapes. Hello. <laughs> by I John, remember those. <laughs> yes. By John Kabat-Zinn, who founded the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Clinic in Boston. And um, I listened to those. And those are a bit of a combination kind of yoga, but more mindfulness. It's more about keeping your mind in your body and then also a concept of um, it's called equanimity which is a sort of an impartiality where you learn to observe um, for me I learned to observe the pain in my body without adding an extra story about how awful it was going to be in the future but just dealing with what was actually present right in the moment and that gave me great relief it was pretty amazing, actually. And so that's when I was really, really in, was when I saw how mindfulness could, you know, I still got treatment. I still had did all the outside stuff we always do. But the inside, my relationship to pain, my relationship, and then, of course, it carries over my relationship to my clients at work, my relationship to my partners, my relationship to the staff. All of that began to change in a positive way where I was just, able to make, I don't know that they were better decisions, but I felt more confident in my decision because I was, I felt so grounded. So it didn't take long before I really started seeing um, positive benefits in pretty much every area, area of that life. And by the way, that guy and I will have been married 
almost 30 years and you married months. Him. Oh, <laughs> that is a great story. Thank you so yeah. much for sharing that. Oh, I love hearing stories like that. But it really has helped our relationship too, because there's, I mean, we're your first response to anything, let, let's get back to leaders, but often our first response to things is a bit of drama. We don't think of it as drama, but it's a story that's added on to what's really happening. And so any relationship, whether it's in the workplace or at home, um, that can be um, misshapen and, I don't know, exaggerated by this kind of story that we add to things. And when you learn to meditate and you learn the practice of, as I said, equanimity is the kind of the term they talk talk about, of not adding that extra layer, it's more efficient. You're only dealing with reality as opposed to the drama. And it just makes, um, you know, it's not, I make it sound like it's a cure-all, of course, we have fights too, and I still have difficulties with some people I work with now. You know, that's we're always going to have that. But but I feel um, when I can really be present with the situation that I have the tools to deal with it, and I didn't always feel that way. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned John Kabat-Zinn because I started my mindfulness journey also with his CDs. They weren't cassettes by then; it had progressed <laughs> You're to a little CDs. younger. Than- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I loved it. Yes, I loved it. It was really my first exposure to anything like that. And I have complex PTSD from childhood trauma. Yes. So I found that it helped a lot with the anxiety and the insomnia and all the stories I was telling myself about things and people. So I can really relate to what you're saying. And then when you're talking about how it really, I think leaders are faced with so much chaos during the day and when we can quiet our mind a little bit and be more present it brings that level of um solitude to us where we can make more level-headed decisions we are more grounded we can just really focus on what needs to be done rather than reacting out of stress or anxiety or things like that so did you find when you were an attorney, how did you use that in the workplace? Because you were a people leader, right? You had people reporting to you as an attorney? Yes, yes, I had paralegal secretaries and then I was a partner. So I had other attorneys that also um, worked with me. Small, small team, but still team. And most of our clients were government entities. So this was pretty, you know, pretty high level stuff. Um, I uh, would start anytime I had a meeting I would sit for just a minute in my office and just feel my body, feel my feet on the floor, my behind in the chair, you know, butt in chair. And then as I walked, we had a conference room and, you know, this was pre-Zoom. So we met in person. Sometimes I would be at a client's office and I would do that in their lobby or even just in the car driving down. If I was driving, I often drove, I live in um, central Ohio and I was working in Dublin. So it's uh, Columbus area. Uh, we had clients in Cincinnati and the Cleveland area. And if I were driving, I'd just take a minute right before I parked to just feel my hands on the steering wheel to just keep myself where I was. And then as I walked to wherever the meeting was going to be held, I would feel my feet. So as I walked, 
Um, I might be thinking about what I was going to talk about, but usually I had prepared ahead of time. And so I could sort of drop all of that. And it helped drop the anxiety, too, because I wasn't um, compulsively preparing in that moment. You know what I mean? I mean, I wasn't uh, rehearsing in that moment. I was just completely present. And then when I walked through that door, I was right where my body was. And and that's really how I that's that's probably the main tiny little tip that seems so small that was so helpful because then um, you know when a county sheriff is telling you all the reasons that the seven cases you just cited to him <laughs> are wrong <laughs> you don't blow up you just say okay <laughs> sheriff let's talk about this and uh, what what's your long-term goal here and um, how uh, when you did this before how did that work and I can just keep coming back to what I know what I know what I know because I'm present and I'm calm and that's probably the biggest thing is be able to remain calm when I mean sometimes people are shouting at you sometimes um, that we we'll go into all the horror stories you guys know what I mean <laughs> um, but uh, um, but yeah so it, it becomes really important to just have some little go-to practice and for me that's what it was it was just having that moment whether it was in my car in an office in the lobby where I could really be present and feel where my body was and let um, it's almost like when you um, if you were a kid when you were a kid maybe you put some rocks and um, and dirt or sand and rocks in a jar of water remember we did that it was like an experiment in school or something and you shake it up and it's all murky and cloudy so if you set the bottle down and give it a minute the sand and the rocks will drop and the water will eventually clear and so that's kind of what I think of it is that our day our challenges our lives are shaking us up and we're full of all that rocks and sand and silt and we what we want is the clear water as much as we can get it's not going to be perfectly clear and so if I can just settle and again I can do this the, the book I just wrote is actually about doing this while you're running ultra marathons or while you're playing pickleball or while you're you know doing any kind of fitness activity or any kind of movement just walking your dog around the block so you can do it, but it's an inside thing. It's an inner stillness. You may be in complete motion. You may be, you know, um, talking like I'm talking right now. And I also know my feet are on the floor at the same time. And so that's that's kind of the thing is feet on the floor. Where's my body always? And back. I think that's where people get a little bit confused because they feel like, well, if you're talking about mindfulness or presence or meditation, You've got to stop what you're doing, leave the room you're in, go someplace quiet. And you're saying, and we'll get more into these techniques after break, but you're saying that right in the middle of anything, you can practice this. And no one even actually has to know because it's an internal practice that you're doing. So that's really, really incredible. We are here with Nita Sweeney, who has written a memoir called Depression Hates a Moving Target. And she's also written, Make Every Move a Meditation. We've been hearing about her fascinating story and her introduction into mindfulness and the benefits of mindfulness in the workplace. I've got a few announcements to make before we take a quick break. There is a lot going on at MD Consulting, and you can find out all about that at my website at mdconsultingglobal.com. 
There, you can subscribe to my blog. You can connect with me on all my social media, so please do that. And let me know if you would like to sponsor the show or if you know of a great guest. Lastly, the biggest announcement is that I have a book ready for publishing, and I have decided not to go the self-publishing route this time like I did with a previous book. So I am looking for a traditional publisher, someone in the business or leadership genre, and if any of you are one of those great publishers or know of one, please reach out to me. I would love to get this material out to all of you regarding leadership. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about how leaders can use mindfulness very specifically to handle stress, confrontation, and conflict in the workplace. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Leading with Intention, and I'm Monique. We've been talking to Nita Sweeney, mindfulness and meditation expert, about how mindfulness can be used in the workplace. So on break, Nita and I were talking about one of her stories, and we didn't get to finish it. So Nita, can you retell the story? Because now I'm super intrigued, and I have to hear the end of it. So for our listeners and for me, can you start over with the story? Yeah. Absolutely, Monique. Sure. So in my years as an attorney, when I, um, excuse me, I was young, I was the only woman partner, I was actually the only woman attorney, and the only woman partner 
and we represented, as I said before, government entities. And one of those was Franklin County, uh, I'm sorry, I said Franklin County, uh, Hamilton County, Ohio, um, which is where Cincinnati is. So it was a very large county, large agency, and possibly the most intimidating character in that client group was the sheriff, the Hamilton County Sheriff, and he was a man named Silas. He's, um, I'm not sure if he's still with us, I'm pretty sure he's retired, that's been many, many years ago. And I was the firm's expert in minimum wage and overtime law, this tiny little speck of law, but it's called the Fair Labor Standards Act. And it had only recently been applied to government agencies. It had been in the private sector for many, many years. But I think it was 1982, uh, the case, the Supreme Court ruled that it was, it also applied to government agencies. And so I was tasked with telling one of the most powerful government people in Cincinnati that he had to pay overtime to people who had been working for him for decades. <laughs> and he completely, he was convinced I was wrong. I mean, here I am, you know, this woman attorney. And so um, my mindfulness practice was really put to the test because I just had to sit there and kind of listen to him rail at me about, you know, how he'd been doing this forever. And obviously I didn't know what I was talking about. And, you know, you don't, I don't think he actually said, nobody tells me what to do, but that was the vibe in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I just sat there and I just listened and I would periodically make eye contact. And I didn't, you know, I'd given him the cases. I had told him um, you know, what I knew. I'd showed him the regulations. I, I'd done every, I had done my part. And at that point, it was where the, that's where the equanimity kicked in. Because I knew he could throw me out of, out of his office. He could fire our firm. I mean, he really, he was very powerful. Now the commissioners obviously have a lot of control, but there's, there's always tension between the county commissioners and the sheriff. So you just, you don't know. And, and I just thought about the, letting the water run clear. And I just let him talk. And eventually he said, well, I guess I'm going to have to think about this. And I knew at that moment that I had, by not saying anything other than just the facts, it was kind of like, well, that's an old, old show. I'm not going to date myself. But there was a show where they, the detective used to say, just the facts, ma'am. And that's what I had done. I had just gone in and given him the facts, told him about the damages that he would be assessed if he were found to have violated these laws. And he said, well, we'll just have to think about it. And a couple days later, I got a note from the senior partner saying that the sheriff had um, complimented me, said I was very professional, um, very informative, and that um, he was going to implement what we wanted. And I mean, he was so mad. I have to tell you, he was so mad. Wow. And he was, uh, he was, I don't remember if he was a big person, but he, he filled, his personality filled the room. And the whole time I was sitting there just feeling my feet in my shoes. Um, again, I would look away and bring myself back to my body and then make eye contact, look away, make eye contact. Because I knew, I mean, I had no control over this man. He was going to do what he was going to do. And I was there to share what I knew. And that was it. And it was probably one of the most powerful moments um, when I left there and knew 
that he had at least shifted from no way to all think about it. Uh, so that for me, and I, I have, there's actually hundreds of stories, but that's probably mm -hmm. the biggest one. And many leaders are faced with very similar situations every day where they've got to deal with conflict, whether it's between them and maybe their direct reports or their peers, other stakeholders. Uh, they're dealing with having to resolve conflict and negotiations. That happens on a regular basis. And they do. They come to coaching and they tell me that they, when they're in these situations, they feel the anxiety rising. They feel their face getting flushed. They start to get defensive with the other person and they're not really sure what to do with all of, all of that. And sometimes they're even told that they need to manage their emotions a little bit better. And they don't know how to keep those reactions from happening because they're they're not really voluntary, you know, the face getting red and things like that. So how can leaders learn specifically to be more mindful? Well, let me back up because the, the question that I'm going to answer is actually how can leaders learn to deal with their emotions effectively? And the mm. answer is mindfulness, or mm. well, one of the answers, but mm -hmm. the answer that has worked well for me. Because the emotions are made up of two things, thoughts and body sensations. So you mentioned the face flushing. There's a sensation that occurs when that happens. You know when your face gets red, you feel it get hot. Um, the, you may have thoughts, or I definitely did, oh my gosh, this guy's going to throw me out of his office. <laughs> and so I noticed it. I noticed, and I went, yeah, that could happen. So you just acknowledge exactly what's happening in the moment. And the mindfulness practice, I will back up again, because we practice mindfulness in low stakes situations, such as an empty room in silence. And then we transfer that to tiny, slightly higher stakes, the grocery store, where we're maybe standing in line and uh, it's the 15 item checkout line. Uh, and the person in front of us has 17 items and we have one. And we're, <laughs> we're standing there and we can feel our face getting red. And so it's an opportunity to practice I, that, that my, my, uh, my clients are always laughing. It's like, I know, Nita, it's all grist for the mill. I know, because mm -hmm. it is, it is everything. If you want to, it's a, you don't have to be practicing all the time. Even though my, my book says make every move of meditation, it's really make any move of meditation. But you're standing in that grocery line. That's an opportunity to be present with your emotion and not react to it, not add an extra layer of, I'm going to, I'm going to tell this person off. I'm going to call the manager. I'm, I mean, yeah, call the manager if you want to, but, but you have the choice. Whereas if you're not mindful or if you're not used to um, being present with your thoughts and body sensations, we tend to react and mindfulness gives you a chance to pause. It creates a space between when the face flushes and you speak or between when those thoughts of, oh my gosh, I'm going to get it fired or, oh, we're going to lose this client or, oh, this, you know, the, uh, oh my gosh, what's going to happen here between those thoughts and what actually comes out of your mouth or what action you take. 
you're with an employee. I had I had a um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, uh, she was actually a, a legal secretary, and she had come to the job with some kind of unrealistic expectations, and so it became difficult between us because I knew what I needed, and it was a very fast-paced job, and she she was used to that, but um, but she wasn't familiar with some software we used, and and we kind of thought she was. So so it was there was often a moment where I really needed to pause often and be very careful about what I said because I needed her to um, do certain work, and I wanted her to learn. I knew that she was sharp if she could learn, but I knew that if I upset her too much, I wasn't going to get a good result, and neither of us would be happy. And so that was another place that that where that um, you know that pause, just that taking a minute to be within myself, made the situation better. She did ultimately end up leaving the firm, but on good terms. She didn't you know storm out or anything. She um, she just realized it wasn't the right environment for her. So I think that um, the practice which I think you'll probably ask me about in a minute, <laughs> but the practice is just that. It's practicing. And then you practice so that you can take it out in the real world in low-stakes environments so that then on the high-stakes day, that same pause will kick in, that same ability to keep your mind right where you're at and dealing with exactly what's happening. Um, it'll be available to you. So yes, I, I was going to say, you know, if the leader is in this high stakes meeting and feels like they're getting frustrated, what do they do? But you're saying that in order to be proactive, you don't wait for those situations because those are higher risk situations. So where, where and how does the practice start? Well, it can start as simply as setting the microwave timer for five minutes, trying to sit still and realizing I'm not very good at sitting still. Or it can be as simple as saying, I'm going to walk down the street and I'm going to try to notice all of the places where I see the color green. Let's say I'm in central Ohio, USA, so it's very green here right now. Um, all the places I'm going to see the color green. And then when my mind wanders, which it will, because minds are active, their job is to think thoughts, when my mind wanders, I will gently bring it back to any color green that I see. And that's the practice. And then the gentle is really important because that's the equanimity. So I'm not saying, oh man, I'll never be able to meditate. I can't, I just had 20 seconds of green and the next thing I know I'm thinking about, you know, the next meeting I have with a client or the next big, big business project I have. Instead, notice of notice that critical mind, notice that judgment, and go, oh, but I'm practicing right now. That's right, I'm just practicing this. Bring it back to the color green with that kind of, um, you know, um, it's really self-compassion, which doesn't get enough play in the workplace. I'm sorry, but it really doesn't. Um, not that we're trying to train to be weak. No, no, no. Um, in fact, you'll be stronger for this. But that ability to go, I'm learning a new skill. I'm not going to be good at this until I practice it. So let's just come back and see where I see green. And it could be any sense. So it could be something you see. It could be something you hear. Right now, it's lawnmowers and leaf blowers. <laughs> um, it could be 
uh, you know, whatever, whatever thing you, um, in the spring here, we have lilacs everywhere. And so I will, uh, when I'm running or walking, I will use the scent of lilac as my object of meditation. I'll just go and I'll wait until, you know, I'll be walking along and then I'll notice, oh, there's that scent. And then I'll take that in and then it'll pass and I'll notice, oh, there's no scent. And that's, again, it's just that calm and concentration. Next thing I know, my mind will be wandering and I gently bring it back. So that's, so um, let me give you some very specific steps. You pick an interval of either time or distance, um, or it could be a particular period. So let's say you're exercising and you want to meditate. Let's say you play tennis. Um, every time you serve, right before you serve, stop for one minute and notice the feeling of the racket in your hand or the ball, but choose one, the racket. So that's your interval. Every time you serve, feel the racket. For me, sometimes it's the first half mile of a run or a walk. Um, it could be, let's say you're playing basketball, anytime you're at the foul line. Um, it could be, I'm setting a timer for five minutes, so you have an interval. Then you choose that object of meditation, and that is any thought, any body sensation. Body sensations are easier. That includes the breath because thoughts get really sticky and then we really can go down a rabbit hole if we're not used to focusing. So you choose something like the breath, just noticing where it naturally occurs in the body. Might be your chest, might be your abdomen, could be your nose and mouth. And then um, once you've chosen that, you start the practice and you notice when your mind has wandered and you remember, oh, that's right, I was gonna meditate for this five minutes or I was gonna meditate every time I hit the foul line um, or every time I teed off on the golf course. And this is probably the most important thing. When you notice that and you remember, gently bring your mind back very gently because that's that equanimity piece and that's where that water runs clear where you're not continually shaking the jar of stones and sand because if you start um, saying to yourself oh my gosh I'm just never going to be able to do this and the berating starts that's you're just shaking up the thoughts and that's a story that's being added so you just continue to do that until whatever interval you know the game is over that timer goes off, the um, run is over, whatever whatever you've done, whatever you've chosen. And if you get confused, you contact somebody. Um, <clears throat> and that's, you know, that's, those are the, the real simple, simple steps. It's actually not complicated at all, but there's a million ways to do it. <laughs> and so that's why it gets confusing is because you can, you literally can do it with anything. I mean, let's say you get irritated. You, um, you watch this pot, this, this uh, video, or you listen to this, this uh, radio show and you think, um, oh, I'm going to try this. And then you try it and you realize you can't. And suddenly you think, Oh, who is this Nita Sweeney anyway? That becomes your object of meditation, your irritation with me. I'm completely fine with that. Just notice, wow, I feel irritated. I feel hot in the face. I feel uh, my chest is constricting a little bit. I feel, you know, I want to send her a, an email. <laughs> I'm completely fine with that because it's all grist for the mill. It's all something that can be used to meditate. And then those experiences will transfer into 
um, the workplace and that tough meeting, um, you might remember, like I said, I will have that moment before any situation. I still do it. I mean, this morning before we had this, um, this interview, I sat for a minute or two and just tried to let my mind settle into my body. And so that it becomes just part of who you are and what you do, as opposed to you having to think, oh, I better meditate while I'm having this meeting. That, no, that's going to be an extra layer that is going to um, create inefficiency. We want to create more efficiency. We want you to be using only the exact amount of energy that is needed for whatever task you're performing, for whatever challenge you're facing. If you've joined us in the middle of the show, we're here with Nita Sweeney. We've just heard about the many ways mindfulness can be used in the workplace and some very specific tips and steps to incorporate the practice. Nita is the author of Depression Hates a Moving Target and also Make Every Move a Meditation. It's time for a quick break. And when we come back, we will hear more about how meditation and mindfulness can help with sports and exercise. You're listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Are you ready for a disaster? If you are like many people in the world, that answer may sadly be no. Disasters happen unexpectedly to people just like you every day. Tune into Preparing for the Unexpected with business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fulick. The show will not only help you better prepare for a disaster itself, but also to prepare you, your place of employment and community for the aftermath, emotionally, financially, and with a better level of awareness and a stronger feeling of resiliency. Tune in Thursdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Leading with Intention. In case you missed my earlier announcements, if you know of a great guest or a sponsor that would like to um, be on the show or sponsor the show, please reach out to me. 
I'm also looking for a traditional publisher. So if you know of someone who publishes in the business genre, please reach out to me about that too. We've been talking about all the benefits of mindfulness in the workplace. We're here with Nita Sweeney. And we're going to continue this conversation. Um, I'm not sure which direction to go, Nita, because there's so much to talk about when it comes to meditation and, and mindfulness. So you started talking earlier about how you uh, meditate in during exercise, and you started talking about when if someone's playing tennis. So tell us a little bit more about how mindfulness can be used in exercise or sports. Well, it, I, I talked earlier about efficiency, and I know um, I'm a runner, but you know, can be anything, any sport you're doing or any fitness activity, any movement activity. There are times when my mind will say, you have to um, bear down, you have to push harder, you have to um, strain to move faster. When in fact, if I can relax and focus on my technique, the form of running, I actually run faster. And I'm more efficient because I'm not using any extra energy. And so that's what I uh, I talked to a lady the other day who plays pickleball, and she was talking about um, how she sometimes she'll be done and she'll be her teeth will hurt because she real, she realized she's gritting her teeth the whole time she's playing, and so she's her practice is to only is to just notice when she's gritting her teeth and just try to relax her mouth a little bit if she can, but just noticing that because that's extra energy that she doesn't need to use. I mean, if you want to grit your teeth, that's totally fine. Have no judgment on this stuff. But that's just that was just kind of a funny little example of something that seems so simple, but it's extra energy that you don't need. So that's when I work, I've worked with a couple of athletes and that's often what we work on is noticing little ticks or little uh, strains that are extra that they don't need and to be able to not even take them away because sometimes what happens is if you just notice that you're gritting your teeth they will naturally relax you don't actually have to relax them and that's that equanimity piece that we talked about before where you're trying to let what actually is happening be and be fully present while it's happening you know, when you're talking about this, I'm thinking about an experience I had just recently because I take dance lessons, which is way out of my comfort zone, but it helps with my PTSD and all of that. And I was learning, right now I'm learning tango, which is very technical, lots of things to remember. And I'm trying to get through the movements and suddenly my instructor said, stop tensing up your shoulders. Your shoulders are way up high just let go and i looked at her and i said i didn't even know i was tensing them i had no idea <laughs> so what you're saying is that i could have taken that experience and been in the moment with it and noticed that i was tensing and maybe had a different experience well some people are naturally more aware of their body sensations than others we call it proprioceptive so you're aware of how your body feels and if you're not naturally proprioceptive, mindfulness will help because you can do a technique while you're moving where you just scan your body and you just notice, well, is my jaw tense? Are my shoulders up? And again, you can either choose to drop them or just notice and your body, body will probably naturally 
drop them for you. It will just go, oh, you know, oh, I don't need that. And then it, it knows. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you definitely, that's wonderful. And I love Tango. That's fantastic. It's a way, way above my pay grade, but it's so much fun to watch. I, I applaud you. Wow, that's great. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I, I've been taking lessons for about a year, and I cannot say I'm much better now than I was a year ago. <laughs> but it's a lot of fun, and that's, it's good exercise, and it's helping me pay attention to my body. So, yes, all important with, things. I want to, real quick, with the PTSD and the trauma, when... If you do, um, if a leader or someone listening seeks out a teacher, make sure for meditation, ask them about trauma because there is a um, skill set, trauma-informed teaching of all kinds, but especially with mindfulness because if you had trauma, your head is going to want to leave your body. That's what it does. It just, yep. you know, it's like, I don't, this isn't safe. I don't want to be here. And sometimes meditation can trigger that. And so you want to make sure that you're working with someone who has experience in that. So they know what to do. They know how to handle it. And some people will need to go for other professional help. It just, you get to a place where you just really need that. And that's, it's medicine. Hello. You'd take your insulin. Um, so, um, but the trauma informed teaching is very important. Okay. Yes. Thanks for, thanks for mentioning that. How do you meditate with your dog? Oh, that's so much fun. So you sit on the floor and you let her crawl in your lap and then you feel the pleasant body sensations of your fingers running through her fur. Or if she greets you at the door, when you come home, you um, notice how pleasant it feels to see her running toward you and how your heart kind of opens up. Um, I run with her sometimes, and so I'll notice how many times she wants to stop to go to the bathroom when she's already stopped to go to the bathroom, and I'll notice irritation at that, and then I get a choice of, well, whose run is this? Is this her run or is this my run? Sometimes it's her run, sometimes it's my run, and I just notice, okay, my throat's a little tight. I feel my face is a little hot from being irritated at her. Um, can I drop that and just be with what's actually happening? again and again and again. That's that's how I do it. Sometimes she is my object of meditation. It, it is just being with her and uh, the pleasant experience of being with her. Well, that's it. It's actually, it's the same thing. <laughs> Pick an interval, <laughs> choose an object of meditation, start the practice, your mind wanders, you bring it back over and over and over. What behaviors do you think can change um, specifically in the workplace with leaders if they were to be practicing mindfulness? Reactiveness is probably the biggest one. Being able to have just that tiniest of spaces between an experience and a response to it. So that's probably the biggest, 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 and possibly the most important because um, I was an employment attorney. I talked about wage hour law, but we did uh, you know workplace employment of all kinds and anger, angry responses, um, that was all um, a lot of our business was was dealing with um, situations where employees were just so frustrated or a leader had been frustrated and had acted in a way that was inappropriate. Often it you know could have been resolved if people had been more skilled, not always, but um, but that reactivity, that's huge. The other thing is competency and creativity. So if you are, if your mind is 
tense and closed and your body is tense and closed, there's science behind this, you are not as going to have in, as many creative thoughts as if your mind is more relaxed and your body is more relaxed, even if you're in motion. So that's the um, kind of, uh, when I talk about creativity, um, I'm not, I mean, I am talking about art. I do work with writers and artists and things like that. But in the workplace, creative solutions are, um, that's a, that's a goldmine. And so being able to find, to, for your mind to naturally have creative solutions available to it because you're open to it. Of course you have learned things. Of course you have your experience. Of course you're studying what everybody else is doing to figure out if it's right for you. But the way those things pop to mind will happen um, in a better way or will happen more frequently if you are in a state where you're, you don't have that kind of extra layer of tension um, on top of everything else. So the creativity, that's a, another. And of course, you know, stress and anxiety, it, meditation lowers your blood pressure. It um, There's even studies that say that it can build new brain cells. I mean, who doesn't want new brain cells? Right, um, right. And also longevity. <laughs> People live longer. People who meditate who don't have other outstanding, you know, you can get cancer and things like that, but people tend to live longer because they don't have as many heart attacks. And um, and then focus, being able to be, um, so this helps a number of ways, the focus and with productivity. Um, so focus in terms of being able to listen to what's going on helps with just understanding, of course. So there's the competency level, but being focused and present with someone, whether it's your boss or your coworker or your client, or you know a, a new business you want to work with, when you're present with somebody, they know that they can tell, and um, and that makes a difference in terms of their response to you, and um, the way they're going to do or not do what you're asking. So it has it, it's it's really there's just really so many different ways, but uh, but that I just say the first one is the reactivity. Okay, being and able to just be present. And tell us how people can find you. Yes, um, thank you. Um, yeah, nitasweeney.com is my website. And I have um, books for sale on my website. My books are available wherever fine books are sold. I also coach, and there's a page on my website. Uh, at, it's the services page, but it's very obvious. Um, and I have a newsletter, and I would love for people to sign up for my newsletter. I, I send it out um, maybe once a month or something. It's not very often at all because I don't want to bombard people. But, uh, but yeah, I'd love to, and I love to hear people. I love people to tell me what their challenge is so I can try to come up with a creative solution to help them. Nina, this has been a great conversation today. Thank you so much for being here. I am positive our listeners are walking away with some really great tips that they can implement immediately. You've been listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a great rest of your week until I see you again. And don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.